250 for a highball and a buck and a half for a beer. You are stumbling in. You're finding your way back to the Taken All Wrong podcast. I am J.D. Mill. Thank you for joining us after a couple of weeks off. I am joined once again by West Coast Jake. How are you doing, sir? J.D., I'm doing great. I'm happy to be back after a, a couple-week hiatus. I think I said two weeks ago or so that I'm coming back on the pod when we win another Big Ten game. So I'm your classic definition of a Fairweather fan. And I, I think you were stranded places and couldn't record, right? So you're like the literal yeah. definition of a Fairweather fan. Well, it's like uh, I, I, I'm sure that people think like as the Gophers are losing, we just decided to take a week off. But literally uh, two weeks ago, I was traveling for work and I just couldn't figure out a way to make the schedule work and then last week we were supposed to record and because of the I don't know whatever winter storm it was or polar vortex um, on some personal travel coming back to Minnesota got stuck in Chicago for two nights um, just happened to coincide with the Gophers uh, on a uh, a four game losing skid. So uh, we are happy to be back this week uh, with Gopher basketball, having beaten Indiana. So let's, uh, let's kind of take a look back. So as I said, Gophers uh, have gone two and four since the last time we talked uh, a win over Illinois uh, with a solid second half, three straight losses to ranked teams in Purdue, Wisconsin, Michigan state. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, did beat Indiana here on Saturday. So, so let's kind of talk about what got us into last week. Uh, Gophers come into, uh, last week, uh, to face Nebraska and Indiana six and seven in conference, uh, really needed to get two wins and, uh, and, uh, but let's talk about kind of what got us there. So a couple weeks back, Jake, uh, Gophers avenge an earlier loss to Illinois, uh, who actually's played pretty well since then. They've won four straight, um, beating M, uh, Michigan State and Ohio State. Um, and then the Gophers look like they might have something for Purdue. We were up 13 uh, early in the second half against Purdue uh, before completely falling apart. Uh, take us back a little bit to, to those two games the Illinois and Purdue games and uh, give us some thoughts uh, from the team on uh, kind of a schizophrenic week there. So at the time we, when we beat Illinois, uh, you know, I was happy. It was a solid victory. I think they basically hung around for a half and then early in the second half, we dispatched them fairly easily 11 point final margin, but I think it was 15, 16 pretty consistently, and then they hit a couple threes at the end. A at the time, I said, I definitely don't want to see this team again in the Big Ten tournament. Um, when I said that, I thought it was more just a bad stylistic matchup for us and didn't want to deal with the guard pressure, especially as if it's part of like potentially playing three or four games on consecutive days in the Big Ten tournament in Chicago. But since then, I mean, I still feel that way, but it's because Illinois is legitimately playing well. We're actually their only loss since January 23rd, and I know you and I both have their game against Wisconsin on right now. It's it's going down to the wire at the Kohl Center, and as we all know, that's a that's a tough environment. So 
Illinois is playing great basketball. Beating them by double digits at home is is a solid win. And then you get into this sort of three-game stretch where it's like if, if you win one, you feel pretty good because they're all top sort of 15 teams or so in, in net and in Ken Palm and go on the road to Purdue. And early in the second half, it's it's looking great. And then everything sort of snowballs. And, you know, you have a couple missed front end of one and ones. You have a couple poor defensive possessions. And give Purdue a lot of credit. It's easy to see why they almost never lose at home because as soon as that got a little bit off the rails for us, it felt like we were dead. I mean, we were up by four or six points and Eric Curry misses a front end and it's like, we're winning this game, but we're dead. Um, it, it didn't even feel like we had a chance. It was suffocating. And if you feel that as a fan, I'm sure you feel that to some extent as a player and credit to their team and, and the environment and the way they play. But, you know, t- always a tough loss when you're sort of up double digits in the second half and, and you give that one away, regardless of the sort of quality of team or the difficulty of the environment. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll, we can touch on that uh, a little bit more, maybe after we talk about uh, the next week that, so that following week was uh, brought a, a home loss to Wisconsin and <clears throat> I don't know that. So that was kind of just a boring game. And although it was uh, pretty close the entire game, it just never felt like we had a shot to win. I think we were within probably five or six the whole game. And, but I just never thought that we had enough to overcome that at home against Wisconsin. Um, And then we follow that up by absolutely getting piss pounded by Michigan state in East Lansing. I know you've always got thoughts on, on Wisconsin, give us uh, give us a couple tidbits on on that week of two losses for the Gophers. Yeah, that was um, mildly insulting to the game of basketball. Uh, no one wins for having to watch that Wisconsin Minnesota game. We we actually never led, which is kind of crazy for how close it was throughout the game. And you know, we had one of our one of our games where we shot one for 13 from three, and that's not going to get the job done. And what's really unfortunate about that is the environment was good uh, in the barn and it wanted to be awesome. Anytime we got within three or I think we tied it up like twice and I'm not sure if either of them were even in the second half, but the place was rocking and ready to go absolutely nuts. It felt like if we were able to hit that one big shot, take, take one lead, um, you know, the, the roof would have blown off and we could have potentially been well on our way to, to a victory, but could never make that one big play, hit a big shot to get over the hump. And, you know, that's what Wisconsin does. They make every basketball game look terrible and, and take the joy out of a fantastic sport. So uh, unfortunate to take a home loss there. Um, it, it really came down to shooting for the most part from my perspective. So fr- frustrating way to lose, frustrating to lose to a rival. Still got them in, in both the revenue sports and Madison. So that's a, a nice consolation. Um, and the road win will hold up as a good win. But that sort of took away some of our margin of error. Uh, and then Michigan State, do we, have, do we have to talk about it? I fortunately couldn't watch it. I checked in like once and we we're down 20 and I, I checked out. That's my summation of Michigan state. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that was ugly. I, I was in, uh, I was in Charleston, South Carolina, 
uh, last weekend uh, and trying to sort of keep an eye on that game. And <clears throat> yeah, just, uh, just wasn't a good time. One thing I do want to touch on, and, and I don't know when the right time is to talk about this. So I'm just going to choose now because basically we just talked about where the Gophers lost to, to three ranked teams and, um, you know, a couple of scenarios, one against uh, Purdue and, and then again against Wisconsin where we just, with Purdue, we, we couldn't stave off their comeback. Um, and with Wisconsin, we just didn't have anybody to really spark getting us over the hump. And, and what I want to kind of touch on, and, and maybe it's something that I'm oversimplifying, is just the, the fact that this team lacks – leadership both in the sense on the floor that we don't have a true point guard but the bigger thing I think in those two games is that we don't have an emotional leader on this team I mean you've got Amir who when he throws down a dunk or hits a you know hits a three or something like that he'll get emotional and he'll kind of fire everybody up but when the chips are down we don't have a guy on this team who can really rally the troops and you know uh, Purdue's comeback in the second half. We had them against the ropes. We're up 13 in their gym with 14 minutes to play. Next thing you know, it's the Carson Edwards and Matt Harms show. And we displayed absolutely no emotion, just, just no reaction as they steamrolled their way to basically a 24 point turnaround. They, they end up winning the game by 11 points. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Am I simplifying that too much? Is there, is there a, a piece of the puzzle that's missing with this team or, or am I just, uh, am I just grasping at straws here? I, I don't think you're oversimplifying it. And look, I almost don't want to go down this path because I, I do think the griping about this team sort of lacking a true point guard has been a, a bit sort of overstated or, or overblown from the perspective of, look, we have three good guards who are starting we have great length on the defensive end. So, you know, there are pros and cons to it. But I do, I do think the big con is when you think of the sort of classic great point guard, whether, the, whether they're sort of an elite scorer or not, they're that calming force a lot of the times that just brings the ball up, gets you into a set, sort of chills everything out. When you are up by six or eight and, and want to kill the clock, which, you know, it, it's not just an us thing. Almost every college program does that. The great point guard can make you feel confident about taking 25, 26 seconds off and, and then sort of still getting a good possession, a good shot. And so I think that's a piece of it. And then, you know, I think we have a lot of understated sort of guys, personalities on the roster. So uh, co- coffee can be an emotional leader at times, but he can also uh, disappear a little bit at times. I, I will say the last sort of two weeks in particular it's become very, very clear that Jordan Murphy realizes it's his senior season and that if we're going to make the NCAA tournament, it's probably going to be on, on his back and he's absolutely playing as such. Now, he, he's not going to be hitting the clutch threes or bringing the ball up through pressure just because that's not his role, but it, it's pretty clear that he's taken it to another level. And so I think, you know, emotionally and from just a offensive 
flow and, and design standpoint, it's it's going to be on his back for better or worse for the for the bulk of the season. So I, I, I'd look to him. He's another understated guy. You know, he's not going to be yelling, screaming, fired up too often. But um, I'd look for his effort and energy and intensity to, to really lead this team down the stretch. Gotcha. Well, it's it's good, and and you make a good point as far as like having that leader who's there to calm people down too, not just uh, not just <clears throat> get people fired up to to get going. So uh, that's a good point. Before we uh, jump into talking about next, or excuse me, last week, uh, I do want to remind the listeners that Taken All Wrong is brought to you by my bookie, mybookie.ag. Use the promo code wrong. 25 uh you can go and have your uh first deposit excuse me first deposit match dollar for dollar uh plus a 25 dollar bonus it's mybookie.ag use the promo code wrong 25 so let's go ahead and uh talk about last week so again we walk into last week uh six and seven uh needed to uh needed to win two games um unfortunately we lose a tight contest uh to nebraska um, before uh, really, really hammering Indiana uh, on Saturday. Talk a little bit about what happened uh, with the Nebraska game and uh, and also the Indiana game, and then sort of where this puts us uh, in the Big Ten at this point of the season. So Nebraska was a really frustrating game, clearly. Uh, I think what frustrated me was uh, our our offense was a little bit uh, Jekyll and Hyde. It felt like we'd get down by five points. We would remember that both our post players are really hot offensively. We would pound it down low to them like three times in a row. We'd tie the game up and then we'd go away from that for two, three possessions and we'd be trailing again. And then defensively, I felt like we played 25, 26, 27 good seconds of defense a lot. And then, gave up a pretty open shot at the end of the shot clock. So there's, you know, we can discuss the last minute of the game as, as well for sure. But I thought, you know, we did not, I, I didn't think we played well or particularly smart basketball. I, I did feel like there were, you know, stretches in the bulk of the game. We played hard and tough and it was not like other road games where we sort of didn't even show up. Um, but it, it was frustrating from the perspective of we just couldn't string a, a long run of sort of smart, heady play together. Uh, one stretch that sticks out to me, early in the second half, we were down six and then went on a 9-0 run to, to go up by three. And there were like 13 minutes left, and I don't have the possessions pulled up, but the, the following three, four possessions, we could have put some distance between us and them. And I think we had like two turnovers and a missed jumper, and then they had two or three offensive rebounds that ended up at scores, and all of a sudden we're down by one. And at that point, you sort of know it's going to go back and forth to the finish, and and uh, at that point, that's what happened. And then Big Ten refs happened to to some extent, you know, debatable how much that impacted the game. Um, but that that was sort of the story to me, just as much as the last minute, which. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the the calls down the stretch. If you feel like we totally got screwed, if you feel like we made our bet and then we just had to lie in it or, or sort of somewhere in between. I mean, I, I kind of think it's somewhere in between, right? I mean, you, it's the classic sports cliche. You can't let it, you, you can't leave the, 
the game in the ref's hands. You can't leave it down to one possession like that. I think I tweeted something to the extent of, you know, somebody had tweeted that it's a, it's a classic gopher situation to get screwed by the refs in the last minute. And my response was, it's also a a classic uh, Patino team situation to, uh, have a scenario where you play to your competition, where you don't have a good play uh, with a, a, a very important inbound late in the game um, and that you leave it up to these fluky, uh, a fluke or fluky calls at the end of the game. So, you know, I, I, obviously I, I think, you know, leaving it up, obviously it's a bad call at the end. There's, there's no doubt about that. I don't want to take away from the fact that 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 was a bad call, but the fact that we're in that situation, I think you can point to a game plan. I think you can point to a a late inbound there. Um, I just think, I just think there, there's no reason we have to be in that situation against a team that, uh, that we beat earlier in the year. Um, so I, 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 I can see it both ways. I, I sort of hate the, the sports cliche of you can't leave it down to one play, but, uh, but that's exactly where it ended up. And, and uh, yeah, we got screwed because that's, <laughs> that's what happens to us more times than not. Um, and then uh, obviously Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday, Gophers uh, absolutely uh, trounce Indiana, uh, a game I didn't get to watch a ton of, but I uh, saw a bit of the replay and, uh, uh, looked like, uh, you know, getting back to, and that's one of the really frustrating things about this team. And it's really manifested itself over the last couple of weeks is there's, there just is a bit of a lack of identity. You don't exactly know who's going to come to play necessarily. We, you know, we had a stretch where we were playing really well. The defense was sort of getting picked up, uh, uh picking up. Um, but you know, how this team is going to win games. I know you talked about it early in the year. We're going to have to win some games ugly, but then we come out against Indiana and just absolutely take it to them. So talk a little bit about sort of the difference between the Nebraska game and the Indiana game. Yeah, that wasn't ugly. That was, that was beautiful. Uh, that was the first time in a long time I went to the barn and left, you know, not more stressed out than I was when I walked in. Uh, it was it was just a lot of fun start to finish. Obviously, it, hitting threes helps a ton and opens everything up. But I, I don't want to oversimplify and say we played well because we hit shots because I think we were three possessions in and down six to three or something like that. And, and I turned to uh, the buddy I was with and said, this is some of the best ball movement and offensive flow we've seen all year. Uh, whether it was sets, whether it was the high low, whether it was just running through our offense, uh, guys were cutting hard, screening hard. Obviously, as I said, Jordan Murphy brought a ton of that energy and getting him on the offensive glass was extremely helpful and having him finish through contact early gave us a ton of momentum, but when when we move the ball and get those types of looks for shooters like Gabe Kalshur and even Amir Coffey wide open in places like the top of the key, we're going to shoot better. We're not going to shoot one for 15 from three if, if the bulk of our looks are, are that good. Um, so I, I loved seeing the sort of offensive flow and movement and then 
look, Indiana looked like we have a lot of the time on the road in that they showed up. They clearly have some talent. Like they've beat some really good teams this year. They'll still be a dangerous team in games when they decide to show up, but we sort of made a run and they came back a little bit and then we made a second run and they decided they were basically done playing basketball. So credit to our guys for beating whatever small amount of will they had left in them out of them. Um, And it's great for the morale. It's great to see the response after a really tough loss where I'm sure our guys felt like they got completely screwed. It's great for the rankings to beat a team like that by 20 plus points. And it makes you feel like with the next couple and and last couple home games being really tough contests that we can really go there, go out there and compete, potentially steal one. And on top of that, if you lose that, you're probably thinking your NCAA hopes are, are dim. And this sort of keeps us right in the thick of the conversation. Well, that's definitely the uh, the next question that we need to tackle is uh, talking about what this team's uh, chances are to make the NCAA tournament. And perhaps we need to um, talk again, which we did a couple weeks ago, about uh, Richard Patino's standing as far as the uh, head coach of the Gophers. So we'll go ahead and take a break. We're going to come back with a non-revenue roundup. Uh, with Stepper, talk a little bit of wrestling, talk a little bit of jazz hands. Uh, Then Jake and I will come back and talk about what's coming up for the Gophers, what this team needs to do to make the NCAA tournament. You are listening to Taking All Wrong. Welcome back to the Top Pod. It's time to welcome in our non-revenue roundup correspondent. It's Stepper. How are you this fine evening? Yeehaw, I'm happy to be back at it. Yeehaw, indeed. Well, listen, the first thing we want to do is uh, we had a, a an unsolicited Top Pod mailbag question from uh, Dr. Zung, who I incorrectly referred to as Mr. Zung uh, on our pre-production meeting, and you corrected me. Um, So I do apologize for that. Dr. Zung uh, obviously has four years of uh, schooling to become a doctor and had a question, uh, wanted you to give a full and thorough breakdown of the uh, 19th national championship uh, for the Minnesota Gophers in the jazz division uh, uh, for the dance team. So, uh, he says not technically a sport, but 19th national championship. I beg to differ that it's not a sport as part of the non-revenue roundup. I think this is perfect. Uh, so go ahead, uh, with your breakdown of, uh, of the jazz competition. Well, uh, thank you very much. This is, this is a lovely challenge here. And, uh, first of all, you do not have to defer to his schooling level as he's not a diehard gopher fan but did move to florida so i think he loses his doctorate since he hasn't shoveled at all this winter so he can be mr zung for tonight that's fine um anyway yeah so i have a certain expertise in this field because my junior year of high school i spent my whole spring break memorizing two complete in sync dance routines so uniquely qualified to answer this question so thank you very much for that uh 
yeah, I, I think that we dominate this this event every year. Um, we're either, either one or two, it seems, every year for everything. I went back and watched the, both the Palm routine and the Jazz routine on YouTube. They are available there. Uh, I might tweet those out after this episode airs so people can find quick links through our account, at least. And, uh, yeah, they were incredible. Uh, the Jazz one especially, I thought they did a good job of using their costumes, uniforms, whatever they want to call them, for like negative space and contrast because the front was all maroon, very sparkly, nice maroon, and then the back was kind of backless with a strap across it. So as they were turning around, there's a lot of good contrast there of like who was front facing and who was back facing. So and the marching men used to do that with our overlays too. So we'll nerd up that little piece of review. Um, but yeah, it was a really, they were great routines. The songs were very high intensity and they did a great job. The crowd was going nuts for them the whole time, I'm sure. They kind of do for everybody, but they did a great job and definitely deserve it. We're very spoiled. I remember going down to Nebraska this year, and their dancer team was kind of hot garbage. So we get spoiled every third quarter break or whatever it is when they come out. So uh, enjoy the, the the championship level quality that you're seeing at every game, Gopher fans. Um, also, uh, Goldie really... took no. Yeah, go ahead. Nope, go ahead. I was just going to say, Goldie took number two to Brutus, which is a crime. Uh, this Halloween alone, <laughs> Goldie dressed as Bob Ross, the Predator, and the best Wally costume I've ever seen. He had a real-life plant inside his little tummy part of the costume. It was very incredible. And I have received uh, commentary from two huge Goldie fans, Nick and Charlie from Savage, who told me that Goldie is always funny. He spins his head and sometimes his body. So beat that, Brutus. What's the average age of uh, these fans that you pulled? The average age between the two of them? Uh, five and a half, I think. Perfect. Perfect. Maybe 5.75. Well, obviously Goldie got screwed, but <clears throat> I guess uh, as Minnesota fans, we're used to it. Hey, uh, let's uh, transfer over to uh, the ladies' basketball team who uh, started out on fire this year, have had a couple of uh, losing streaks, but are now on the winning side of the streak column, having won six in a row and just uh, just uh, took Penn State behind the woodshed yesterday. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with ladies basketball. Yeah, there was a 30-point win, I believe, we had yesterday. Correct. Which is, uh, that's something. That's really something. Uh, I, you know, I'm not the basketball mind at West Coast. Jake is, but uh, it's they really turned it around. And I want to say that, that, you know, the second consecutive win of this streak, which is, you know, the beginning of a streak, happened on the the women and girls in sports weekend here. So I think the fact that the home crowds have been showing out have definitely helped that. But they uh, they're really pouring it on. I think um, was it Destiny Pitts? I believe is a sophomore. Um, she's on the Big Ten honor roll and has been averaging 24.5 points and 5.5 rebounds per game. So they are, uh, she said, I think she's had a couple of 20 point outings in a row, but if any, anytime the basketball team gets up in the nineties, I think that's something to celebrate. So Whalen's clearly found some chemistry that's working. I'm not going to pretend to, to analyze this basketball team, but they're starting to click and it's the right time of year to do it. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Let's transition now to the mat, your expertise. Uh, <laughs> and tell us a little bit about what's been going on with Gopher Wrestling and uh, understand that they've got an exciting event coming up. Uh, yeah, so they just stomped Indiana 34-3 to yesterday. Um, and Gable Stevenson, a heavyweight, uh, recorded his 27th consecutive win. Uh, which ties him up with assistant coach Luke Becker. So that must be, that must be a fun rivalry. Now he's going to go try to pass him at this Thursday's home meet. Um, I think we saw a little more activity from the bottom this weekend uh, when Indiana had top position. The Gophers were able to kind of get out of it. Um, so there were some more reversals, things of that nature, that they didn't just kind of wallow on under bottom position and wait for the clock to run out. So that was a little nicer to see. Um, it seemed like... Indiana is not a high-quality opponent for us right now, so they seem to be focusing on some skills leading into postseason here. So they were a lot of really good mat returns and things like that, um, trying to go for back points and trying some more creativity out there um, heading into the postseason. Um, so they just kind of looked like a lot of the guys were just getting some good reps on certain skills while facing a less talented opponent. Um, and then this weekend, or not this weekend, this Thursday night, um, they're going to close out their regular season at Northrop Auditorium against Ryder. I'm super excited for this. I have no idea what the layout's going to look like or how it's going to work, but they're having senior night at the finest venue at the U. So it'll be very cool to see. I'll be in the, uh, the first row there. So hopefully if they're high enough on stage, I might not even be able to see them from the first row. So I'm, I'm excited to see how the layout's going to go. Um, and uh, last year we beat Ryder 32 to 12. Um, they have won four out of their last five duels, but they only have one ranked wrestler. So I'm anticipating another uh, another win for the Gophers. Um, and I, I did write some jokes here that I'm excited to share. Um, top podcast Ben Dawson has been teaching me a lot about wrestling and kind of giving me the heads up on a lot of this stuff. And uh, I wrote some jokes in his honor here. Uh, the heavyweight that Gable will be facing this Thursday's name is Ryan Cloud, and he's going to be feeling a high-pressure system coming out of Gable Stevenson. That is one, joke number one. We've got, Very nice. Uh, I love. I do Cloud, love a weather-related joke. Yeah, we've got uh, Cloud is in for a downpour of takedowns. It's very, very good. Nice. I'm headlines here. And uh, Gable is going to be too cumulo nimble for Cloud to handle. So there you go. The Minnesota Daily, if you're listening, headlines taken care of for Friday morning. Excellent. Well, uh, we do not expect any level of comedy here on the top pod. Um, so that was uh, outstanding. Uh, Weather-related jokes. Uh, Sven Sundgard would be proud. I'll have to uh, – maybe I'll, maybe I'll uh, tag him in the uh, – in the tweets for the show. Well, we definitely thank you for uh, coming on again and uh, giving us uh, a little roundup of what's going on in the non-revenue side of the Gopher sports world. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing back from you as far as uh, how things go at Northrop. The uh, Taking All, right. All Wrong podcast will roll along after this. We'll talk a little bit more hoops with West Coast Jake. You're listening to the Top Pod. Like it was my ego Maybe it's 
my decisions. Anyways, here we go. No, you full of Welcome back to Taking All Wrong. Want to remind you that Taking All Wrong is brought to you by Tix Blitz. That's T I X B L I T Z dot com. Unlike other ticketing providers that sneak extra fees and unexplained service charges into the mix, Tix Blitz. With Tix Blitz, the price you see is the price you pay. Unnecessary fees shouldn't pre- prevent you from seeing the events that you want to see. Go to TixBlitz.com, enter the promo code ARMCHAIR, that's A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R, ARMCHAIR at checkout to receive 5% off your total ticket purchase. Again, that's TixBlitz, T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Promo code armchair. You might want to use that promo code this week to go and check out the Gophers. Uh, the Gophers will be hosting Michigan Thursday night this week and then traveling out to New Jersey to face Rutgers. Uh, Jake, not exactly sure the best way to tackle uh, this coming up. Uh, so, so let's look at this week. Um, Michigan comes into the barn. Obviously, we we played Michigan very tight early in the year, losing a, a heartbreaker uh, in Ann Arbor. But this time, we get them on our own home floor. Uh, talk a little bit about what this game looks like and uh, uh, what this would mean for our NCAA hopes. It, it would be huge. So, I mean, Michigan should expect to win this game. They're going to be five or six point favorites. They probably feel like when when we went to their house, they shot terribly, and and that sort of kept us in the game, which is to some extent true. But let's not forget the level of confidence our guys probably have of going out and leading the whole first half, and then after Michigan had made a run and gotten up by double digits, it got up to thirteen at one point. Uh, we came storming back and were. Uh, one one frame away from a shot clock violation that, that would have sent us into overtime on the road. So I think both teams will come in feeling very confident about this game. I, I think if you win this game, if you're Minnesota, you start to feel really good about the NCAA tournament chances. Uh, you sort of go from a coin flip or maybe being on the right side of a coin flip to, to we're in really solid shape if we can take care of business. Uh, the questions for Michigan are, one, are they looking ahead a little bit to their two matchups with Michigan State that they have down the stretch? Uh, so that's potentially a factor when you're thinking about the Big Ten race and what they have to do to, to lock up the conference. Obviously, that should leave them dialed in every game, but when you have a rivalry game three days after this one, you just never know. And then the other thing with Michigan is their last five games on the road, they have three losses. They lost at Iowa, they lost at Wisconsin, and last time out, they lost at Penn State. And, and their two road wins in that stretch were Indiana and Rutgers, which we'll talk about Rutgers in a minute. We just talked about Indiana, but s- certainly not top tier of the conference in terms of team quality or difficulty of environment. So Michigan, the last month or so, has has showed some cracks in terms of their road games. And it feels like if we come out the way we did against you know, Indiana for sure against Iowa and Illinois at home. If we play like we can and we get a great crowd, great environment, you know, I think we've got a real shot to win this one and put ourselves in great shape. So that would be a huge win, obviously, uh, at home for the Gophers uh, for that tournament resume. They then travel 
uh, out east to play Rutgers uh, in a road game, a Rutgers team that <clears throat> has been a little bit up and down. They, they do have some decent wins um, in the conference, but uh, but definitely not one of the teams that you are concerned about. This, I would say, would be a game that uh, if the Gophers lose, they're in big trouble. Yeah, this this is a game that if you want to be an NCAA tournament team, you, you have to win. Now, uh, you know, they've they've beaten some teams at their place. They beat Indiana. They beat Nebraska, Ohio State. Um, sh- shout out to Rutgers. They had a three-game Big Ten winning streak earlier this season. Not only was it their first ever three-game Big Ten winning streak, it was also their first two uh, Big Ten two-game winning streaks. They had never won back-to-back conference games uh, until that stretch when they won three in a row. So uh, Steve Peichel's definitely got them on the upswing, and they arguably should have just won two straight games, but for an Iowa banked in three at the buzzer. Uh, So they just lost to Iowa by, by two at home. Um, they do have a tough one at Michigan State this week before they before they welcome us to their building. Um, so they've been a tough route at home, but you know, at the end of the day, this is a team we've already matched up with once. We matched up with them well. We more or less ran them out of our gym in the second half, and, and you have to believe that you can go on the road and, and grab this one if you want to be an NCAA tournament team. So speaking of NCAA tournament teams, the Gophers uh, obviously uh, have these two games coming up this week. Uh, that will be followed by uh, three more games. So five games the Gophers have in their regular season um, after Rutgers at Northwestern, home versus Purdue, and then at Maryland. So uh, three of the last four uh, on the road. Um what does this team have to do between these final five games and let's say the, the first couple games of the big 10 tournament to be able to make sure that they are in the, in the dance. The last um, prediction I saw had the, had the Gophers as one of the last four in as a 12 seed. Um, but, but what do you think they, they have to do here in these last five games to, uh, to really solidify what, what uh, what they want to do, which is make it to the tournament. It's a good question, and and following their status as a tournament team throughout the season has been a, a fun exercise. In if you lower your expectations, you'll you'll continue to be happy. Uh, because I think I thought before the season we would need to be eleven and nine to feel safe. Maybe a month ago we revised it to ten and ten in conference, and and now it almost feels like three more wins from anywhere, including the Big Ten tournament, will get the job done. Now, if those three wins are Rutgers, Northwestern, and then like a Northwestern or Illinois type team in the Big Ten tournament, and and we don't sort of knock off another real quality team, that gets a lot shakier. But when I look at the bubble this year, it's it's sort of a cliff in terms of uh, the sort of last four in, first four out. People are still talking about like Nebraska being first four out. Uh, people have teams like Oklahoma, Arizona State, even Butler, like in the field or, or first four out. And so I think for now, let's stick with the 10 and 10. Uh, let's say we need to win three more regular season games to feel safe. I think if you win two more, and finish nine and eleven in the conference. You go to the Big Ten tournament, and you know we need to win one, and we we might need to win two. 
the other aspect of this is, you know, the bubble tends to often shrink by a spot or two or even three if there are other upsets in the conference tournament. Um, so, so that's something to keep an eye on. But I think if, if there are three more wins from anywhere, it'll at least be worth watching on Selection Sunday. If we win three more in the regular season uh, and or win four more total between the regular season and Big Ten tournament, uh, we can feel great and we can watch the selection show for seeding, not for whether we're in. And then it just depends on who we end up playing in the uh, in the tournament, right? You know, this is a team that plays well enough at its best and that plays, I don't know how to say it other than weird enough in that if someone hasn't matched up with us and we can bully them on the offensive boards and get to the foul line and get teams in foul trouble this is a team that could make some noise in the tournament could could for sure win a game the expectation should be you know we won't have an unwinnable matchup in in game one so the expectation should be go out there and compete and try to get an ncaa victory after that, it's all a crapshoot. Um, you have stuff like Loyola last year. You have the run Michigan went on and the sort of easy path that was paved for them. Uh, not not saying we'll have that type of run by any means, but you know this is part of the reason college basketball is, is so amazing. Get into the tournament and then anything can happen. Right. Uh, the, the one thing that concerns me is I th- conventional wisdom is sort of – uh, guard play wins in the NCAA tournament. And uh, I think you're a little more optimistic as far as our guard play than, than I am um, just because uh, you know, your, your outlook is, Hey, we've got three solid guards that play. Uh, my outlook is uh, I, I, I know you're, you're not a fan of this take, but uh, uh, we just, we don't have a true point guard. So I, what are your, I mean, do you have thoughts uh, completely off the cuff here, as as far as what that might look like in a, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I I don't think I'm at odds with you in that you know to make a big run, talking like Final Four type run, you need an outstanding lead guard. You probably need an NBA caliber uh, point guard combo guard that can really handle the ball, can create his own shot. Those those games really slow down, particularly in the last ten minutes and you need that guy to some extent that can just go get buckets. I, th- I think to win a game or two in the tournament, if we play our brand of basketball, if, if we do the stuff that we've done, uh, you know, in our good looking wins this year, in terms of getting out and running in terms of feeding the post in terms of the intensity on defense, cause that's really been hit and miss. I, I do think we could, you know, knock off a team. I think anyone right now would look at an NCAA win as a successful season I think a, a sweet 16 uh, appearance would be absolutely epic. That would mean a big upset in the second round. I, I think to look beyond that is just sort of silly. I do think when you get to the second weekend, we'd be in some trouble in terms of guard play. And in terms of the more games you go, the higher chance you'll get someone who runs a lot of full court pressure or an aggressive zone or something that could potentially expose that weakness. But um, you know, I, I think it would be a, a factor if we had Final Four or national title aspirations. But I think this team, as it's built, could get into the tournament and, you know, surprise a team and then see what sort of fight we have in, in that round of 32 game. So it's an interesting segue because it, there's a, <clears throat> I think it's a, 
there's a lot of question as far as Richard Patino in year six uh, with this program. Is this where we should be? I think you've been pretty clear throughout the season that as far as Patino is concerned, uh, if he makes the tournament, uh, his job is safe-ish. Uh, if he misses the tournament, uh, he, he probably will be out. Um, I, I don't, my opinion is I don't think anything has changed as, as far as that outlook is concerned that, that you've, you've mentioned throughout the year. I think the Gophers have, have for the most part, by and large beaten who they were supposed to beat and, and lost to who they were supposed to lose to. There's been a, a couple of games that have teetered the other way here and there. Um, you know, beating Wisconsin at Wisconsin, losing to Illinois, uh, some of those kind of things. But for the most part, I think we've won the games that we were supposed to win. Um, I wonder if you've got any uh, difference of opinion as far as that's concerned. And, uh, you know, I'll just tell you, after we after we lost to uh, Nebraska um, last week, I was talking to a coworker and I said to him, the only question now is, uh, do we fire Richard Patino before he wins the NCAA championship or excuse me, before uh, the Gophers win the NIT championship or after. <laughs> um, and uh, so I'm just curious if you've got any uh, quick thoughts as far as uh, that discussion that we've had throughout the year. Yeah, I think make the tourney in your safe, miss it and your seats hot is a good proxy. Um, I do think that, if you're Mark Coyle, the decision goes a lot deeper than that probably. And, you know, let's say we beat Rutgers in Northwestern and we're one of the first teams out and like, did Richard lose his job because of the questionable call at the end of Nebraska? You know, it's tough as an athletic director to slice things that thin because his job's to look at the overall direction of the program. Um, Look, I think you're right on. I think, you take a step back, this team's performed sort of two expectations this season, especially once uh, Marcus Carr was ruled ineligible. Um, I think they're, the, the tough thing about Patino's tenure is if you're pro Patino, it's easy to make a bunch of excuses for last year and say that could have been a Sweet 16 caliber team and this fight for the tournament would be for the third consecutive NCAA run. And if you're anti-Patino, you're banging the one tourney appearance in six years if he misses this one and his overall Big Ten record. So uh, there's certainly a bunch of different ways to look at the Patino era. And I I don't think one NCAA tournament in six years is acceptable if that's what it comes down to. And I've had my share of frustrations with a few of his in-game decisions this year and, and his roster management throughout his entire tenure. But I do think if they win, let's call it three more total games and they're the first or second out, um, I I think he probably sticks around. The tough thing is he didn't get an extension last year. So if you keep him, you need to extend them. And then it's a whole, man, I would not envy being Mark Coyle in that situation. So the hope clearly would be take care of business down the stretch, get into the NCAA tournament, extend them so we can make some progress with 2020 recruiting and sign some of those guys. So I don't have to explain about Richard Patino's in-state recruiting anymore. Seriously, just sign up the 2020 class so we can be done talking about it. Um, 
if he's gonna stay, he needs an extension to to make that happen and to give him some momentum. So I, I'd expect there to be a lot of clarity either way uh, shortly after the you know conclusion of the season. Yeah, it's a it's a tough scenario. I'm with you in that I, I've been uh, there's been some head scratchers uh, over the last few weeks as far as in game decisions and. Yeah, I don't know where it goes. Certainly, uh, if they don't make the tournament, uh, I still think that uh, we probably have to move on. I don't know, you know, from a long-term perspective, maybe that's a bad decision, but uh, but who knows? But yeah, but even if they even if they make the tournament uh, and go out in the first round, um, I mean, next year is is put up or shut up w- without question for. Patino. I mean, you've had six years to build a roster, uh, bring your guys in, uh, bring your system uh, uh, with with your recruits, and um, you know, still, uh, I would say at best, uh, mixed results. So, uh, put you on the spot here. Uh, give us a, a prediction for this week, Michigan and Rutgers. Oof, this is on the spot. Um, you know what? There's no reason not to be optimistic. I'm flying high off the 20 plus win. Let's let's go for a two and zero week. Let's let's chat next week and let's have a bid essentially locked up by the time we talk next. Let's do it. I love I love that optimism. I also love. Uh, there's no reason not to be optimistic. That is the most optimistic of optimistic takes. Uh, so, so that was, uh, that's, uh, I, I really love that. I really love that. Well, listen, um, I think that's going to do it for us. Clink them and drink them. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here as always. Uh, we do appreciate you listening to the Taking All Wrong podcast and anything you can do to spread the good word about Taking All Wrong. We absolutely appreciate it. Share it with your friends. Tweet, retweet, re-listen, whatever it takes. Uh, it all helps. Uh, give us those ratings on iTunes and whatever uh, podcast platform you happen to listen to us on. We absolutely appreciate it. We will continue to do our best uh, throughout the rest of the basketball season to bring you weekly podcasts. Uh, my goofy uh, travel um, schedule uh, permitting, but uh, but definitely appreciate you listening along. And, uh, and thank you so much for sharing the podcast. So uh, for West Coast Jake, for Stepper, uh, I am J.D. Mill. Jeff Rick would remind you to stay classy and go Gophers. And I will tell you to row the boat and sky you mock.